leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty alongside Anthony Brown. I am Garrett Bouguet. Thank you so much for joining us. And Anthony, on this episode, we're going to be breaking down our top 25 players in the current NBA, uh, and uh, we're uh, we're going to be doing it in a similar fashion as we did uh, the all-time players, where we don't know, really know each other's lists that well, and uh, so we're going to be surprising each other, I imagine, along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but without further ado, let's hear uh, who you have at uh, the number 25 spot. For the number 25 spot, I've got Oladipo. Victor, Victor Oladipo. Okay, Oladipo. so I have him at twenty-four. So we're okay. right in the same same area. Here we go. And you know, we're doing this list mainly, you know, for for who we think who would we, who we would want uh, in like the playoffs of this season. Right. Uh, so we're not focusing on potential. We're not focusing much on like past performance. We're, like just what we've seen this year. And yeah, Oladipo from this season's performance, like definitely deserves to be on this list yeah the guy's averaging you know 23 or something points per game shooting like 40 percent from downtown playing pretty good defense and really carrying uh indiana especially uh in terms of the clutch offense he's their go-to guy and he's really uh performed well yeah uh, in those situations uh, but yeah i um i definitely agree with that selection at 25 i have Nikola Jokic, mm, um, the okay. center for the Denver Nuggets, right? And uh, he's a guy that the the biggest issue I have and why he's not higher, even though I think talent wise he should be, mm. is he's not quite aggressive enough. Mm. You know, there are some halves where he only takes a couple of shots. Uh, he just doesn't dominate the game often enough. But his ability to score from the post, his ability to pass the basketball, he's he's arguably the best big man passer in the game. Yeah. And uh, his ability to shoot the three ball, really good all-around offensive player, can do just about anything you need. Uh, And you can run the offense through him from the elbows and the dribble handoffs. And having that from a center, uh, you know, you can can basically have any offense you want around a guy like that. Right. Um, I like that pick. Yeah. Uh, So who do you have then at uh, at 24? Uh, For 24, I've got Kemba Walker. Okay. Um, You know, really great point guard, but just never really ever has any uh, supporting cast around him. Yeah, the Hornets yeah. have, have really struggled this year, Yeah, um, but not because of him. I think uh, 
I read some stat that like their net rating, which factors in how many points they score versus the opposition, is a positive five point two when he plays, mm-hmm. and it's like negative thirteen when he's off the floor. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. he makes like an eighteen point difference with just being on the floor. So yeah, he mm-hmm. he's a great pick. He's not he's not on my list. Tough. He's he's in the honorable mention category. Sure, yeah. um, I think uh, one of the issues with him is. You know his size. He's just about at six feet, so his defense, you know, is isn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, he's more of a score first point guard, which is pretty good. But yeah, um, you know, he doesn't quite have the gravity of a guy like Curry or Lillard, where right. it really like the defense sucks to him that he can open up passes to his teammates. Uh, so he he's it's almost like a score for myself and. And right. that sort of thing, without benefiting the teammates too greatly. But certainly, he's a good pick. He, he's sure. had another another great season, and and he's a guy that has gotten better and better each and every year. Uh, you know, three or four years into his NBA career, I thought he was a bust. You know, he hmm. was a guy that uh, shot like less than forty percent from the field and under thirty percent from three. But now, like you know, the last couple of years, he's consistently been around fifty percent and forty from three. Yeah. So he is a, he is a guy that has definitely worked on his craft and gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number twenty three on my list, I have Kyle Lowry. Okay, and one of my uh, one of the reasons I have him in the top twenty five, despite you know all of those recent playoff struggles that he's had with Toronto, like both him and DeRozan have struggled mightily in the playoffs, especially with their efficiency and their consistency. Okay. Uh, But he's been so good in the regular season on both ends of the floor. He's he's really carried Toronto, um, you know, uh, from a leadership perspective. Uh, Defensively, he brings it every night. And offensively, he's not only, you know, one of the top two playmakers with DeRozan, but he's also... Um, you know, he allows DeRozan to do all the things he does because he can spot up and shoot the ball really well from three. Uh, right. So he's a really good complement to DeRozan as well. Uh, but uh, I certainly uh, really enjoy Lowry. And if if his playoff performances matched his regular season production, he would probably be even higher on this list. Right. I, I like that pick. I think that's a good one. Who uh, do you have at that spot? For 23, I have Al Horford. Okay, so I've got Al Horford a little bit higher mm-hmm. even, which, again, I think a lot of people might be surprised by both of us even having him on the list based right. on just his pure numbers. Mm-hmm. He's averaging, I think, like, you know, over 13 points and, like, uh, a little under 8 rebounds. <laughs> so, you know, not impressive counting stats. Uh, but he's a perfect example of what a, you know, an intelligent basketball player uh, that has a well-rounded game, how impactful he can be on an every-night basis. Right, exactly. You know, his three-point shooting, I think he's shooting a career-high 44% this season, uh, you know, which really helps space the floor for guys like Kyrie Irving. Uh, you know, that Irving-Horford pick-and-roll is really difficult to stop mm-hmm. because you've got to pick your poison. Do you, you know, do you help out on Irving, which then Horford popping can knock down that three, or do you try and play that more one-on-one? And again, Kyrie, one of the best one-on-one scorers ever. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it, you know, Horford is crucial to that to that Celtics offense being good, and you know his defense is one of the reasons. You know, him being that defensive anchor is why the Celtics have been one of the best defenses in the league this year. Oh yeah. Okay, so um, 
now we're down to the 22 spot, mm-hmm. which I have Damian Lillard here. Mm, okay. Um, who do you have in that in that spot? I have Bradley Beal Okay. that spot. Lillard's just a few spots up from that, though, so mm-hmm. it's still pretty close. So my main reason with Lillard not being a little bit higher mm-hmm. is... Uh, despite his you know immense range from three right. and his ability to um, shoot the ball off the dribble, you know, and really he's the second best in the league at that behind Curry. Right. But his um, the the thing that I think Lillard struggles with a little bit is you know the defense for one. Even though Portland as a team has been a lot better defensively, I don't think it's necessarily Lillard's. Right. <laughs> um, but. Uh, the offense for the Blazers has been poor this year, and they, they don't have a lot of shooting around Lillard, and he hasn't really been able to make up for that. Right. Uh, he benefited a lot from just having elite spacing around him and being able to get to the hoop and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if if he's supposed to be this super dominant offensive player like a Curry, you'd think, regardless of the surrounding talent, you could He'd at least, to, you yeah. know, have a team that's a league average on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah. No, I hear that for sure. Um, um, what are your thoughts on Bradley Beal? Um, I I just really like that combination with him and Wall. Like I think they're mm-hmm. really really good one two punch with point guard shooting guard. Um, yeah, we well, so, yeah, they they complement each other really well in right. terms of the the Wall is the guy that can drive and create and is that really good passer. Uh, mm-hmm. Play is a great transition guy, whereas Bradley Beal maybe a better half-court guy where he can hit the shot, spot up, space the floor, give space for all the other players, but then also can be that secondary playmaker. And yeah, in in reality, you know, John Wall just had the, uh, or is about to have knee surgery, so he's going to be out two months. Right. But Beal, you know, through this season has been better than John Wall. Um, but again, since this list we're, we're focusing on what we think, like who we would want in the playoffs for this upcoming year. Right. I still am going to have Wall above him, uh, and I believe you do too. Um, yeah. But uh, I've got Beal a little bit, uh, you know, more in the honorable mention category because sure, yeah. um, I, I just don't know how well an offense would be if he was just the go-to guy. We're going to get to see it uh, yeah. with John Wall out. He's going to be the number one number one option. But I think in the past they've struggled a little bit with, with Wall out yeah. and Beal. Uh, having to be the focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're down to, I believe, 21. 21, Which yep. I have Kristaps Porzingis in this slot. Ooh, okay. Um, and part of the reason he's not a little bit higher, you know, based on the first month of the year, he right. was probably a top 10 guy. That's how hot he was. And at his size, you know, there's nothing you can really do other than contest. So right. if he's knocking him down... Uh, you know, you you don't really have it. There's nothing you can do as the defender. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has cooled off significantly since that, like, opening month or two. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that seems to be a trend with him that he's had. But uh, he still is an impactful defensive player as well, which is why he's on this list. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, being uh, a pretty um, agile guy for his size. And, again, that wingspan uh, is really impressive. Uh, He can jump uh, pretty well also. So, you know, he's certainly a guy that, like, if you had to mold a current basketball player, he'd be somebody you would. That that height, that athleticism, that shooting ability, 
you know, it'll be interesting to see that in, in a couple of years if he can become more consistent and bring it, you know, on an every-night basis throughout the the entire season because, you know, the NBA season is a long journey. Very true. Yeah, he's he's definitely a player that excites me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't gotten the chance to watch him that much other than just those insane highlights of the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see how that goes. Who do you have then at, uh, at 21? Uh, 21, I've got Blake Griffin. Okay. Mm-hmm. The uh, new, the uh, newly acquired Detroit Piston. Right. Blake Griffin. You were just telling me about that. Yes. Um, so what do you what do you like about Blake? Uh, I mean, I just I think he's he's a solid player. I mean, mm-hmm. with with rebounding and obviously you know catching lobs, he's you know really fun player to watch. But uh, I think beginning of his career, he was mostly just dunks and highlight plays. Yeah. And he's you know turned into a more solid. You know, player from the post being able to face up and you know develop that skill set. And exactly. even even this year, he's added the three point shot a little right. bit. He's, you know, he's he's only shooting about thirty four percent, which is a little below league average. But, right, but um, but the ability to stretch out and that's probably a necessity for the Pistons now that he's going to be playing with Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. They need a guy that can spread the floor around Drummond. Uh, so, but yeah, he um he is another one of those guys that was a tough cut for me. Right. Um, but I. I did leave him off just okay. uh, by a fraction, um, sure. and the biggest reason for me is I think the athleticism has dipped a little bit. Right. Um, he's 28, which you know should be pretty much his athletic peak, but he suffered so many injuries throughout the years that I think that zapped a little bit of that athleticism. Hmm. Uh, but as you said, that skill development has been crucial. You know, he's still an all-star caliber player, and it's because of that skill development that right. he's worked on. The ball handling is really impressive for a guy his size yeah and uh you know so that's that's maintained his ability to be uh, pretty effective out there but uh he's not quite that guy that's you know having those posters on a night-to-night basis like he did earlier in his career Mm -hmm. uh and he's not he's not quite as much of a threat teams don't you know suck in quite as much when he's going to the basket Mm -hmm. as they did when he was younger uh but yes certainly um you know a pretty solid player Uh, so so who do you have then at uh, at number 20 um, let's see. For twenty, I've got uh, Demar Derozan. Okay. Yep. With uh, with the Toronto Raptors. So yeah. uh, he's another guy that didn't quite make my list. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting. Uh, yeah. Tell me some of the things that you like about him. Well, I mean, I really like the old school scorers who can score from mid range. I know that in this new age of analytics, that's like the worst shot that you can take. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Uh, I love seeing that it can still work for some people, you know? Right. Um, and, yeah, just really good score, and looks like the Raptors are doing, you know, pretty well regular season. Like you were saying, hopefully that can translate into some playoff victories there yeah. and not just burning out like they usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, what, um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, uh, he is kind of like the contemporary Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, like, his hmm. footwork, his mid-range game. Uh, he, uh, he, he almost kind of feels like Kobe with like a little bit of a floater game as well. Mm. He's got a a bunch of those little push shots that he can hit from that five to 10 foot area. He's even expanded a little bit out to the three point line this year. He's shown flashes. He's got to get more consistent about with that. And that, that along with the defense is why he's not on my list. He's, you know, again, if. If you're talking about just his pure strengths, like his you know one-on-one scoring ability, right. his mid-range work, his footwork, he's all he's in the top ten in all those categories. Yeah. Um, but 
the fact that on one end of the floor he still has not really made much of an impact on defense and you know I don't think defenses still respect his three-point shooting yet even though he's shown flashes this year so it makes him him a hard fit off the ball you know when Lowry has it teams can suck off of DeRozan and help uh, so that you know that hurts him, especially in the playoffs when teams are locked in. Right. They can say, you know what, if Demar's going to hit a bunch of threes to beat us, then so be it. Right. But we're going to make them do things they don't want to do. Right. And and that's what you know separates those. You know, all these guys we're talking about are good oh, players. Exactly. But that's what separates the guys, the the good players from the truly elite guys right. is. When defenses are forcing you into your, you know, your weak points, are those weak points still pretty much strengths right, exactly. for most players? Right. And you know, okay. uh, LeBron has developed his jump shot enough, so when teams are forcing him into those, like, you right. know, he's still making them pay for that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, Demar Derozan is certainly uh, he's a really fun player to watch, and I, I totally right. understand why why you like him. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you for uh, number twenty? Yeah, I have uh, Rudy Gobert. Okay. Uh, the Stifle Tower, the French Rejection. <laughs> I love saying his nicknames every time. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, he's had a bunch of unfortunate injuries, just kind of unlucky injuries in terms of guys falling into his knees and those sorts of things yeah. that has kept him out a bunch. But when he's out there, when he's healthy, there's still probably, um, you know, outside of guys like uh, who I have later down my list, uh, like a Joel Embiid or even a Draymond. He's still one of the most impactful defenders in the league. Right. Uh, and offensively, I think he can be a pretty productive player, uh, you know, with the right pieces around him. Yeah. Uh, but as a rim runner, he needs that spacing. And Utah offensively just doesn't quite have enough shooting to really make that work. Right. Um, it'll be interesting to see... You know, with Donovan Mitchell having such a great rookie year this year, which I think he was on both of our kind of honorable yeah, mentions list. For sure. The the way Utah builds around the Mitchell Gobert, you know, because that's a pretty good foundation of a, a perimeter player and a center, both young. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you put some shooting and some more defense yeah. around those two guys, they've got a pretty bright future. Yeah, that's exciting, for sure. So, yeah, who do okay. you have, then, at that spot? For, let's see, which one we got? Was that 20? I think so, yep. Okay, so that, I had DeMar DeRozan for 20. Okay, so now so, you're down to 19. Now we're down to 19, and that's where I've got uh, Damian Lillard. Okay. Um, and I think he might be one of those that, you know, uh, because I've mostly seen his incredible highlights, yeah. especially like that that one step back that he had for for <laughs> three point shot that everyone was was blowing up all social media and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when he's on, when he's on fire, like you said, it rivals uh, Steph Curry's range. And you were saying yeah. he might even you know when, contend. And when Lillard is hot, like he takes preposterously <laughs> difficult shots and makes them. Yeah, and I think shots that are even a little bit too difficult for even Curry to make right. on a consistent basis, and that's saying something because I'd say we both agree that Stephen Curry is probably the best shooter that we've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think one of the things that sort of separates him is uh, Lillard has, I think, maybe is slightly stronger and has a little bit more. Um, ability to flick the wrist and really get the ball a great distance like yeah as you said like he can just step back from 30 feet yeah uh without any momentum and just chuck it up and and easily have the range to pull that off right Uh, whereas curry i think he's got that kind of range when he's 
his momentum is going forward. Right. Uh, but it's it's <laughs> incredible to say like a guy you know five to ten feet behind the three point line can step, step back, back and take a three from there. Yeah. And Lillard, when he's on, can hit those kinds of shots. So right. I certainly understand, like, yeah, from a highlight <laughs> perspective. Right. And, um, you know, when he's on fire, he's one of the most unstoppable guys right. in the NBA. So I just, I'm putting that, like, you know, asterisk there by it already, <laughs> that, like, I'm, I'm a fan of his there, too. Yeah. Like, on the offensive end, I think he's really good at scoring the ball. But, uh, like we were saying maybe a little bit before this, that... The Blazers, you know, uh, if he is that elite type of talent, the Blazers should be, you know, doing a little bit better. Yeah, they're like 26th in offense this season. And And, um, with him and McCollum, you'd think the two of them, even without much supporting help, should be at least a league average offense if those guys were truly, you know, dominant, dominant players. but. Um, certainly a really fun guy to watch, and again, he he was on my list as well. So yeah, yeah. you know, um, pretty solid player. Um, so now yeah, let's see, we're 19. down to nineteen, which for me that's Al Horford, which we already ah, okay. uh, brought up a little bit with your list. Nice. Um, again, you know, most people would be surprised to think he's in my top twenty, but just you know, the the versatility I think is so crucial. Uh, being able to do a bunch of things is so undervalued. You know, a guy like Draymond Green, which he's going to come up later on both of our lists, uh, his value, uh, especially on offense, comes from the fact that he can hit a three. He can drive and finish. He can hit a floater. He Mm -hmm. can pass. He can handle the basketball. And even though he's not great at any of those things, Draymond, again, still talking about Draymond, like the fact that he can do all those things makes him a really good role supporting guy on offense because right. you can do such a variety of things with him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Horford has done. And, and he's done it at a level offensively where he's shooting 44% from three, which is a lot greater than Draymond. Right. And he can do a lot of those passing, and he can even handle the ball a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, his defense is not on the level of a Draymond. Right. Um, both as a switch defender and as a rim protector, but mm-hmm. uh, you know he's pretty solid at both of those things, uh, and he's been a pretty good anchor for the Celtics, who have been the best defense in the NBA. Uh, and you know, uh, I understand it's not just Horford why that's a good defensive team. The coaching, the size on the perimeter right. of guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but Horford's been you know a big part of their success for sure. I like that. Um, so let's see. Now down to eighteen. I'll I'll say who I got there. I've got Lamarcus Aldridge. Okay, and uh, he has been uh, really great this season for San Antonio. He struggled last year, and there was even rumors in the off season that he uh, requested a trade from the Spurs. Hmm. And uh, there was there was a bit of a problem with him and Popovich, where Popovich was trying to make Aldridge. Uh, fit the Spurs system as opposed to fitting the Spurs system around Aldridge's talent. Yeah. And when you have a guy like Aldridge who's been a multi-time all-star, all-NBA player, you don't want to change those guys. You want to change your team to fit their talent. Right. And I think this year the Spurs are doing a much better job of that. Greg Popovich has admitted that he didn't do a good enough job at that at first, and now he's doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think the the absence of Kawhi Leonard has improved the value and the stock of Aldridge uh, right. because you've seen that as the number one option, he can still do what he did a few years ago with the Portland Trailblazers. He's still capable of doing all of that. He's still capable right. of leading an offense 
and uh, the the question mark will be when Leonard comes back, can he be as effective as the number two guy when he's not getting as many touches, right. when he's not in as much rhythm? What do you think about that? Uh, um, like when when you played, how important was you know consistently touching the ball and consistently having shots to keep your rhythm? It it was really important. I think that was kind of the difference between me when I was playing at like, you know, basketball camps or when I, you know, we'd travel all over, you know, with kind of AAU ball, uh, I would get more touches over there and I usually, you know, points per game went up, assists mm-hmm. went up and everything else. Um, where on my team, yes, I was getting touches, but I was kind of more, you know, I was also facilitating. I was more focused on the defensive end and my production didn't go up as high. So yeah. I think it when everyone around you is kind of feeding you and like, no, go out there, go do your thing, letting you ISO, I think confidence-wise, everything else, you, you're you able to shoot through some of those um, poor shooting streaks mm-hmm. to get that going. What about you, though? I mean, oh, you're no, a I, shooter. I, and- yeah, I completely agree. I um, Even as someone on my high school team that was the spot-up guy, you know, mm-hmm. was the floor spacer, uh it you know I was a lot better at not only shooting spot up shots but shots all over the floor when I was consistently touching it and I was consistently being able to handle right. the ball and, and, they're and take plays for you to yeah different types of shots from different distances you know getting mm-hmm. to the basket and laying it in hitting those mid range shots and then shooting threes right. all of that makes it so much easier which is why you know guys like Clay Thompson just astound me at how difficult it is that he doesn't take any dribbles he scored 60 points in a game with like 13 dribbles or something yeah. crazy yeah people that don't play basketball don't understand or oh, no. have never played don't understand how difficult it is yeah. to stay hot and stay in rhythm and a flow without ever barely touching the ball right. and then when you do touch it you're just expected to shoot it right away yeah it's crazy i mean that's why i, I didn't even bring that before but the games where i got to play point guard i was sometimes like our backup point guard I felt a lot better during the game. I felt more in control because I got the ball more. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it helps so much. Right. I can't imagine scoring <laughs> anywhere close to that and just on catch and shoot. Yeah. Um, and from the evidence that we've seen in terms of Aldridge, I think it's shown that he does prefer, you know, what we're talking about, right. getting the ball consistently. And when he's been the number one option, his efficiency, his shooting percentages are better. Right. Uh, when you know he was playing as the second fiddle to Kawhi, his numbers went down a little bit. Right. So it's uh, it's interesting how hard it is to judge. Um, you know, we were talking before we recorded about how it's difficult to grade Draymond Green, and we'll get into where right. we put him earlier. But like as a number one option, he's not. You know he wouldn't be very effective at all right he's not extremely skilled on the offensive end of the floor uh and you know as a guy that the whole defense is focusing in on he wouldn't be that efficient um but in the role that he has as that number three option uh you know he is pretty great at that because he can play the defense he can do all those little things offensively like we talked about in al horford um, whereas Aldridge in that role, you know, not getting the ball as much, not getting those consistent touches, maybe he would have more of those shooting percentages that like a Draymond Green has. Right. And then, you know, not being as good of a defender as Draymond Green, you know, sh- shows you that the role matters. Exactly. Um, right. Who do you have then at, uh, at number 18? Well, speaking of Draymond Green. Oh. Draymond Green. Okay. Um, and that's kind of uh, the debate that I was having in my head with where to place him, right? 
as a role player, especially in today's league where it's so important to not have a weakness out there at a certain position. If, if you've got at a small forward where the guy can't defend or he can't shoot the three or he can't do whatever, there are teams that have enough pieces that are just going to destroy you on that. Yeah, Draymond Green, I think, on any team would be great to have in this era because he can do all of those things that you're talking about. Um, even though he may not be, you know, elite in all of those other than maybe like one or two categories yeah. with like the defense. Um, you know, he's good enough at shooting and surrounded by good enough people that I, I think it works. But I, the only reason I ended up putting him down, you know, that far down at 18, I think he's a great player, but it's hard for me to bump up people when you're surrounded by like some of the greatest players right. in the entire league. Um, yeah. yeah, having Stephen Curry as his, you know, teammate for pretty much all of Green's career. Yeah. Uh yeah, has definitely helped and has definitely um facilitated his all around offensive game and, and highlighted his versatility. Right. You know how Stephen Curry gets those double teams, throws it to Draymond Green on that right. little pocket pass and Green has a four on three. Right. That allows Green to show off his passing ability, his ball handling, his getting to the rim. Um, but without Curry there, you know, all of those things like driving against a defender that's standing there and waiting for you is a lot more difficult than having an open lane. Right. So. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly um, I certainly can understand why you might have Green that low. And, you know, I wouldn't even blame you if you had him even lower yeah, just I mean, based on the idea that um, it's, it's hard to... I like to rank all-time great players as far as, okay, if this is your number one guy and they have an average supporting cast, how many wins do you get? Right. And I don't know if Draymond Green can even get you to 45 or 50 wins. Right. I think with him, uh, you know, with an average supporting cast, he could build an elite defensive roster that could maybe be 500. Maybe. Um, yeah. But with as him as, you know, one of your, um, you know, top one or two offensive guys, your offense is going to be pretty lousy. Right. Uh, so, so I totally understand. I've got him a little bit higher because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I value that, especially his defense. I think he's Definitely. one of the the most unique and important defenders you could have in this current right. version of the NBA. And as a leader and just competitive wise, he's able to get everyone going. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Eighteen. Who do you have? Well, I had Aldridge at 18, right, right, right. Okay. Um, 17, we're down to 17, 17 now, which I have John Wall. Mm. And um, last year I would have had Wall closer to the top 10, mm-hmm. uh, but this year he's struggled a little bit. He hasn't shot the ball well. I think he's sh- shooting around 42% from the field. Yeah. Um, and I think this uh, this surgery that he just had on his knee showed that maybe he's been playing through some injuries this year. So the hope is when he comes back from this uh rehab from this knee surgery uh, it's it's supposedly just a cleanup yeah um so hopefully it's nothing major uh but he's had some knee surgeries in the past so you never know hopefully he'll come back and be the john wall of last year that uh is just the terror in transition the speed demon right and the guy that uh really is a terrific passer i think he's undervalued by a lot of people for his passing ability i think he's one of the top four or five passers in the league mm-hmm. uh, and his ability to get guys like Otto Porter and Bradley Beal wide open looks on a consistent basis just because of how much pressure he puts on the rim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have him actually at one spot above that. Okay. Um, yeah, John Wall's awesome. 
Yeah, so who do you have then at 17? Um, I actually have Kyle Lowry at okay. that spot. And so, again, I'm, I'm basing DeRozan and Lowry mostly off of that regular season. Mm-hmm. But very good point to, to point out that those playoffs, you know, um, they've, they've had a hard time. And, I mean, who can blame them when you're going against the Cavs every single time? <laughs> it's yeah. pretty hard to break through on the East. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Kyle Lowry there, and then, like I said, that next spot, I've got John Wall. Well, and another thing about the Raptors, uh, you know, and that people are talking about maybe they are a bit more of a contender this year than they've been in years past is because, uh, you know, a couple of years ago and even last year they focused mostly on isolation basketball with DeRozan right. and Lowry. Yeah. This year they've um, they've upped their passing numbers. Uh, they They move the ball a lot more. Uh, and you know Kyle Lowry is one of the best off the ball movers in the league. Uh, they're shooting more threes this season, so they're trying to become more of a, a, a modern offense, play a style that would be a little bit more challenging to defend because that isolation heavy basketball, right. unless you've got the elite of the elite like the a Kyrie and a LeBron, which right. the Cavs have been isolation heavy, but when you've got two of the best. You right. can get away with that, but yeah. with Lowry and DeRozan not being quite as good of isolation guys efficiency-wise in the playoffs, they needed to steer away from that to have more success, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that pays off and, and how that affects DeRozan and Lowry's production in the playoffs too. Right. that offensive system change. Right. Um, but yeah, then you said, who did you say you had John next? Wall. You had John Wall at that next spot at, what is that, 16? 16, yeah. Okay, so that's... Uh, at my number 16 spot, I have Carl Anthony Towns. Mm, okay. So, he would be even lower on my list if um, if it uh, if it wasn't for the fact that he's improved on the defensive end this year. Uh, in yeah. the past years, he's been kind of a sieve on, <laughs> on that end of the floor. Yeah. Uh, but he's such a talented offensive center. He's probably the best post-up guy in the league. Uh, he's yeah. that good on the block. He's also a 40% three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. So having that versatility on offense where he can space the floor or be a primary option is yeah. so valuable. Um, as an offensive player, he's certainly a top 10 guy in the league. Um, and his defense, although it's better this year, is still you know pretty average, I would say. Yeah, uh, He's got the capability and the athleticism and length to become even better. Uh, so... It'll be um, it'll be interesting to see if he can continue this upward trend in his defense, and I think part of it's due to the fact that Jimmy Butler's there and has been tutoring him and and yeah. guiding him on the defensive principles and all those things. Uh, but he's a guy on the rise. He's still super young, and uh, obviously being the 16th player means you're pretty good uh, right. in this current uh, um, talent boom that the NBA has. Okay, so Anthony, uh, I had Carl Anthony Towns at 16. Who'd you have at that spot? So, listen, <laughs> I kind of cheated a little bit. Uh, I, I ended up doing a tie for my 16th spot. How dare you? I know <laughs> I know you set up this very rigorous guideline <laughs> with the text, and I'm breaking it live on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but um, I had a really hard time deciding between uh, Clay Thompson and uh, Gobert. Okay. Um, you know, and for various reasons too. Like Gobert on the defensive end, it's been like awesome, and I really, really value defense really highly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when he's on the court, the team does a lot better. 
Clay Thompson is one of the best shooters ever. Right. Um, we were just talking about that with, you know, scoring 60 off of 13 dribbles. Um, but it's hard to rank him, never really seeing him outside of, you know, a Curry or now Curry and Durant with yeah. him. You know, but he's also a really great defender as well. It's hard for me to imagine him as, like, the number one option on mm-hmm. a team. But with all of, you know, he might be talented enough to do it. Anyway, long story short, I ended up putting them both at my 16th spot. Okay. Don't hate me forever. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, yeah, and the, the the thing about Clay Thompson that's interesting, I have him a little bit higher. Um, yeah. But uh, he's similar to Draymond, you know, is in a role that's perfect for him. Yeah. And, yeah, it's we haven't, I guess the closest thing we've seen to Clay Thompson as the number one option was when Curry got hurt in right. the 2016 playoffs and they had to get through Portland uh, that series. And, you know, he played really well. That was also the playoffs where he was just, you know, on, on <laughs> he was torching right. in terms of just absolutely on fire. Uh, had that crazy game against Oklahoma City in mm-hmm. game six. But, but yes, it is questionable, like, over the length of an entire season and against the elite of the elite defenses, if as him as a number one option is good enough. Um, right. You know, certainly as, you know, an off-the-ball shooter, he's excellent, and he's a really good perimeter defender as well that can switch over multiple per- positions, can guard one through three, which is extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, him and Green are really tough cases because they are perfect for their roles and they are great role players, uh, but but yeah, it, it is a question mark as to how great your team can be if they're your best guy, right? Um, sure. And then and then yeah, Rudy Gobert, he uh, you know yeah, defensively he's he's amazing and and yeah, uh, you know I I think he for a guy that doesn't have a jump shot, doesn't have much of a post game, he's about as good of an offensive player as you can be out of that because he's so good at, you know, the rim running, the catching the lobs, and, you know, he's he's improved his ability to catch it in the middle of the floor and make a decision, either pass at the corner or those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I... um, I, I agree with all that. So so now we're down to number 15. 15. Um, and uh, we don't have any more ties in the future. No, no okay. more ties. Promise. <laughs> all right. Five-way tie for number one. Um, not all of them are current players. Bill Russell is number one. Yeah. Okay. Um, so at, uh, at 15, I have Joel Embiid. Mm, okay. Nice. And, um, you know... I guess the reason he's not even a little bit higher is because of the injury question marks and the fact that he's been on minutes limits this year and that he hasn't played any back-to-backs. You know, there's still a lot of question marks whether he can withstand the workload of it a full season. Yeah. Uh, he's already played more games this year than he did last year, so that's, you know, a positive development. But when he's on the floor, right. he's such a huge, uh, hugely impactful player. Uh, especially on the defensive end, the Sixers' defense is, you know, one of the best in the NBA when he's out there, and pretty average to below average when he's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and offensively, he's getting better and better. Uh, you know, he still takes too many threes, considering he's shooting below thirty percent on the season. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he's a pretty good mid-range guy. Uh, he's his post-up play is getting better and better each and every game. He's getting better at passing out of double teams as well. He's one of those guys that I just think, you know, he started the game so late in his life right. uh, that a lot of this stuff is new to him that he's experiencing. 
uh, but he's such a quick learner. It's amazing. You see week to week, uh, you know, game by game progression from this guy. Wow. Uh, there was there was a game earlier in the season against the Lakers where he just absolutely dominated, uh, and they didn't really send many double teams at all. Uh, but then there's a game against the Warriors where they sent a bunch of double teams, and he really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the next game that they, they played the Warriors, and they sent a lot of those same looks, you could tell that he had watched the tape, he had learned some of his mistakes, and started making the right plays. Yeah. So it, it is really scary to think about where this guy could be in a couple of years, especially uh, if he stays healthy. Oh, for sure. I have him a few spots higher even on my okay. list. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's he's awesome. Um, so yeah, who do you so have then at fifteen? For fifteen, I actually have <clears throat> Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, there. yeah. Um, which yeah, what do you what do yeah, you think about that? We're pretty similar. I had pretty him at sixteen. Similar. So okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, he uh, he's yeah he's he's a terrific offensive center. Yep. Um, you know, whereas Joel Embiid, I think, is a uh, and Gobert are right. top five defensive players right. in the league. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is probably a top five offensive player. He's right. that good on that end of the floor. And again, that defensive improvement is encouraging. Yeah. If that continues, uh, you know, yeah, we could be talking about him as one of the top five players in the league. When he was originally drafted at number one, I, I thought he was capable of being the best guy in the league eventually. Yeah. That's how talented he is. But yeah, the defense still has has a ways to go. Yeah. Okay, so now we're down to fourteen, which 14. is where I have Clay Thompson. Okay. Um. So you know, again, his his ability to play off the ball and shoot the ball at such a high level, uh, and you know, we talked about we question whether he could be a number one option, but he has improved his playmaking over the years. Yeah. He's gotten better at running a pick and roll. He's you know he's great at running off of screens, catching and shooting, a la like a Reggie Miller or a Ray right. Allen type of play. Uh, and, you know, yeah, that defensive versatility is so valuable. A guy that every year brings you 20-plus points and consistent defense, you oh, know, yeah. that that's a pretty rare commodity in the NBA. For sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so who do you have then at, the, at that spot? Uh, I have Anthony Davis. Okay. Um, which, I don't know, I'm guessing that's a little where you have him a few I have him a lot higher, higher, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really do like Anthony Davis. We were talking about this before that like he's a he's a dude with like all all this potential. He can do so many things on a basketball court, but like you know the Pelicans never really seem to to do all that well. And I get yeah. that that's not all his fault, right? When you've got you know really terrible you know sur- <laughs> surrounding cast, and when you're yeah, uh, you finally get another great player with you, uh, and he gets hurt. Yeah, it's Marcus Cousins. It, it makes it kind of tough. Yeah. So um, well, and they they've done a bunch of the organization has done a bunch of moves where they've traded first round draft picks for win now moves, and then those guys leave, yeah. and so you're left with nothing. And it's like, you know, Anthony Davis has been young for a while. Why not? Uh, you know, focus on the future as opposed to focusing so much on the present to right. just either make the playoffs and get destroyed uh, and sacrifice future assets. You know, that that's the biggest thing that I've um, struggled with with them building around him is a young star is like the hardest thing to get. Right. You know, you've got that piece. All you got to do is make the simple decisions just draft pretty well draft around you know with players that fit your star's skill set and that's all you need to do right. you know you if you get 
guys in the same age range that aren't even studs that are just solid role players that fit. Yeah. You know, that have the game that fit around your star. You can build a contender. That's been shown in the history of the NBA that that right. can happen. But uh, they consistently traded away those first-round picks. They've got hardly any young talent on the roster. Yeah. And they've they've spent these enormous sums on these guys that are no good. They spent, uh, you know, so much money on Omer Ashik, a center that uh, can't do anything. He can't get out on the floor. He's a seven-footer that can't move he's an offensive liability uh and they're paying him you know tens of millions for the next three years when they could be paying guys that actually help right they need to call you up (laughs) right new orleans if you're listening (laughs) garrett bougay he's your man yeah um but but uh certainly i i understand your um you know your concern about the lack of team success you think about those guys that are in that top 10 range, you think, regardless of the teammates, they should be elite enough to you right. know, to have some success. He's made the playoffs once right. um, a couple years ago. Uh, and, you know, they are on they were on track to make the playoffs this year with Cousins, but now that's a question mark. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, his his talent and his athleticism is just so overwhelming at times. It, oh, for uh, sure. That's why I've got him a little bit higher. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so that was your number 14. 14 um, yeah. So who do you got then at 13? Uh, for 13, I've got Paul George. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's pretty close to where I have him. I have him a couple slots higher. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on him as a player? Um, I mean, really good overall player. I, I like... Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch OKC as much as I would have liked mm-hmm. with this year, uh, but I think they're figuring out how to make that work yeah. with having him and, and Mello and uh, Westbrook on the floor. I just think overall he's a really, really great player. I liked what he did back in the day with Pacers, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, he, um, you know, he's slowly but surely starting to figure out how to play with. Right. Like off of Westbrook, which is a challenge, I think, when for anybody. We're the main guy. You yeah. know, and, and that's something I think Durant doesn't get quite enough credit for is how smooth he was able to play with a ball dominant guy like Westbrook. And I think that's made his transition to play with Curry that much easier right. as uh, he learned to do that. But it, it is a challenge to be used to, like, you know, we talked about that we're be- we when we played, we were in a better rhythm, we played better. When we had the ball consistently, right, uh, and you just can't do that with Russell Westbrook, right. um, so so that has been a challenge. But he's still he's shooting forty percent from three, playing elite defense. Yeah. I think his defense has even gone up a level because he doesn't have to spend as much energy on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's a good pick. I, uh, I I agree with with pretty much everything you said there. Um, so at at thirteen, I have Draymond. Mm, yeah, is where I've got him. Okay, and again. That's it's such a tough one because you know you're you if you look at him as a number one option he's not even in the top thirty not yeah. even in the top maybe forty yeah um, but uh, his defensive ability to switch onto even guards and then also defend centers with his size and strength yeah and protect the rim oh yeah there's there's nobody else in the history of the NBA that can really say that they do all of those things at a, at that high of a level. I mean, it's questionable. Very short <laughs> list, maybe a Dennis Rodman. 
Yeah, maybe that's a good that's a good point. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of anyone else. He's yeah, the only one that comes even Rodman though I don't feel like was nearly the guards. rim protector. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he he was more of a charge taker. I feel yeah. like as opposed to a shot blocker. Right. Yeah. He was um, never. Yeah. Uh, but but you're right in terms of the in his especially in his Pistons days. Yeah. Or even Spurs days, he had the. Uh, the ability to switch and defend a right. bunch of positions, and he could defend centers. You know, he mm-hmm. defended Shaq, I believe, one year. Yeah, I think he um, did. So, so yeah, he'd be probably one of the closest comparisons I could think of. But yeah. I think even he falls short in that shot, that rim protection and category. Just, yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Um, yeah, so like yeah, that. that that unique quality that he has to be everything you need out of a defensive player in the, today's NBA. I think just, and and yeah, as you mentioned, his competitive drive and his right. toughness, uh, you know, and his fire and energy, right. I think is a much needed thing for that Warriors team that has three guys in Curry, Durant, and Thompson that are kind of casual, kind of finesse players. He's the perfect uh, complement as a personality for that group. That's a really good point. You You need that type of Charles Oakley type, you know, enforcer, like enforcer, and yeah. and that gives them that that force that they need. That'll do it for this episode of Duncan Dynasty. Stay tuned next week as Anthony and I finish off our top twenty-five current players list. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to our show, Duncan Dynasty, on iTunes. Also, if you could give us a rating on there as well, that's a great way to show your support for the program. Thank you so much, and have a good evening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.